0: You are listening to the American Truth Project podcast. I have a great guest for a great interview. And um, I think you're going to learn a lot about what a uh, rape fuguee is. I don't pretend to know much about Europe. I don't understand soccer. I don't understand the uh, Euro. I don't understand much of anything about Europe. But I do understand the culture of rape. And I do understand anti-Semitism. I've read enough about it. I've seen it enough, and news reports and all that, that these things bother me to, and to my, beyond beyond belief. The reason I'm bringing this up is because of something that happened in Germany, a city called Cologne, that I think is a metaphor for what's happening throughout Europe. And, frankly, I, I needed to talk with someone about this who had some understanding of what's happening over there, because... Frankly, it's an amazing and disturbing story. long story short Cologne is in Germany. I'm not quite sure where, but I know it's in Germany. All right. well, they've been getting a lot of refugees from the Middle East and North Africa, lots and lots of refugees, and okay, fine if it's you know if they mind their own business and just interact with become part of the big society thing that's that's fine but New Year's Eve, something uh, really, really bad happened in Cologne. There was what is essentially a almost a rape fest, if you will, or a rape riot might be a better way of saying it. Either way, it's gross beyond words. There were many, many reports of many, many refugees from North Africa and the Middle East who were uh, sexually attacking women. And I mean, really sexually attacking them, all sorts of disgusting, horrible things, including rape and everything connected with that. I mean, it's just unspeakably bad, bad stuff. And then what made it even worse is that a lot of the uh, politicians in Cologne, especially the mayor, a woman by the way, uh, tried to downplay it and almost cover it up, but the news reports, especially on social media, kept building and building and building, and finally they they, they had to say, uh, yeah, we had a really big bad problem. I mean, now the last report, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, January 11th, The last report that I saw before we started with this interview, 516-some-odd reports of sexual attacks in one evening, and it's just mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. So what I'm thinking is that what Europe is doing right now is it is importing the rape culture from North Africa and the Middle East because, frankly, in most of those areas, most, not all, most of the people there are okay, but a large percentage are not. And they treat women little more than cattle or sex objects. It's it's, it's just disgusting beyond words. But what do I know about Germany and Cologne? And what do I know about the Middle East? And what do I know about refugees and all this? And it's like, so what do I do? So I was thinking, okay, who do I talk to? Who would know this stuff? So I, I get in touch with uh, Sutton Porter, who is this great producer, media, radio, TV producer on the West Coast, and she says, oh yeah, I've got the guy for you. This guy knows all about this stuff, as well as anti-Semitism over there in Europe, and we'll get to that in, uh, a little bit later here in this interview. His name is Barry Nussbaum, and he is the Nussbaum Report, and he does commentary on many issues in the Middle East, He is a very successful American businessman. He has run racetracks. He has created lots of organizations, including the uh, Israel Group, which is a way to fight back the anti-Semitism that some people are trying to essentially boycott Israel. He's been involved in many different campaigns. He uh, consults Republicans and Democrats. In other words, this guy has got the street cred. And so I asked Sutton, and she said, yeah, let's see if we can book him for your show, and she was able to do it, which is great. So, Barry Nussbaum, welcome to One Dimitri Radio. How you doing?
1: I'm terrific, and uh, thanks for having me with you today.
0: All right. So, help help me understand what exactly happened in Cologne.
1: Well, I, I think the the phraseology that you use, Dimitri, um, is is absolutely spot on. It was it was a rape fest uh, perpetrated by. Somewhere, according to most estimates, especially from the police, by over a 1,000 men, um, they are described euphemistically as um, Middle Eastern and Northern African men. Um, Some in the press have actually labeled them for what they are. They're Muslim immigrants that have come in under Germany's open-door, no-limit asylum-seeker policy. And they literally went on a New Year's Eve rape rampage through the streets of Cologne. Um, Ironically, and you pointed this out as well, it has been only reluctantly reported about, and it came about because of the outrage of German women who were victims, their families who were outraged, and then the rest of the German population, the native population in Cologne, that were repulsed by their own government's cover-up of the magnitude of what occurred New Year's Eve.
0: Why was there a cover-up? What is the benefit to cover up this uh, rape riot in Cologne?
1: It's, it's, you have to go back uh, a number of years, Dimitri. The Europe of today is tremendously transformed from the Europe of only uh, a decade or two ago uh, demographically. Uh, Europe, Western Europe I'm referring to, and uh, especially northern Europe have had literally wide open doors regarding immigration. And the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of the immigration into Europe is coming from Muslim countries where Anyone who says, I'm seeking asylum, gets in. Uh, Tremendous percentages of these populations are being transformed. And what has happened is the backlash of this influx is an embarrassment to the people that created these policies. In other words, the liberal democracies, social liberal democracies of Europe, have an attitude that that says we have a wealthy um, standard of living based on the fact that we're a productive society, we're not going to turn our backs on people in need, all very um, beautiful sentiments. And what has happened is their good graces have been annihilated by a population that has come in that has been raised. And follows a completely different moral structure. Well, that does, uh, that yeah. for the most part, that does not assimilate into the host culture, but rather creates neighborhoods or living areas where they have imported their culture into the host country.
0: Let me play and the devil, it, let me play the devil's advocate here, because with Germany, and again, you're the expert. I'm you know I'm not, but I thought, that I read like for a long, long time ago, that Germany had welcomed uh, immigrants from Turkey to do lots of work there in Germany, and there were many Turks there, and for the longest time, there were no problems. Did I get that right, or did something happen?
1: Well, that, 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 that's actually quite true, and if you think about it, you're creating the um, the scenario that Europe fell into that trap. What you're laying out is factually correct. Uh, Turkey is not a um, religious country in the sense of uh, Sharia is not the law of the land. And up till very recently, it is literally a democracy composed of 99 or 98% Muslim population, but that Muslim religious law is not enforced on the population. So I would assume that the thinking is, at least was, up till recently, well, it worked with Turkish immigration. They're all Muslims. Now we have this Muslim tremendous need coming out of Syria because of the violence there in Libya and some northern African countries as well. Let's let them in, too. Well, the difference is, those people are coming out of countries where Sharia law is the law. So they have a different orientation towards life and non-believers. You know, there's an interesting study that was done in England recently where what's happened in Cologne, by the way, has been going on in England for a decade. Just not widely reported. They did a study where they were interviewing men who had been convicted of rape, and almost to a person, when interviewed, and these are guys now in jail, why did you do it? You didn't even know this woman, and and why did you think that you could force yourself on her sexually uh, and then beat her afterwards? And they all have a similar answer, which is, well, that's the way we grew up, and that's the way it is where we come from. Why should it be any different here? And they're almost incredulous that what they're doing is revolting to the women, victims, and the society around them. They do not assimilate. They bring their culture and live their culture with them. So women in these cultures are looked at as somewhere on the level of household appliances Or pets. You don't want to destroy it because it has some value, but it doesn't have a say. And they really, really think that way.
0: Yeah, and it seems that it's not just Cologne. I've read so many reports about Finland. Oh, Sweden, that's the other one. And also Austria, where many of the law enforcement uh, officials in those countries are saying to the women, we've had this massive increase and sexual assaults, and without exception, it is traced right back to the refugees from northern Africa, from the Middle East, and uh, some of the reports that I've read, Barry, is that the the authorities are saying to the women of Sweden or Finland or Austria and heaven knows what other countries, you need to be careful. You need to cover up a bit when you go into these certain neighborhoods because that's kind of the way it is there and in a way, almost, not quite, but almost suggesting that the, if a woman is not covered up properly or whatever, then she might be asking for it. Have you seen well, you're, those reports?
1: you 100% right. And, and before we, we get to that, you mentioned Sweden. Here's a shocking statistic. When I think of Sweden, at least I when I used to think of Sweden, I would think of it as a socialistic democracy, clean streets, no crime, full employment, full health care, a nice, safe, clean, peaceful place to live. Although hot, it's cold. And,
0: and hot babes too. Don't forget the yeah. Swedish bikini team.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna blow you away. Sweden has the third highest rate of rape per capita in the world.
0: What caused it?
1: I'll tell you. 16% of the population of Sweden was not born in Sweden. They're immigrants. The vast majority, Muslim immigrants from northern Africa, And according to a study that the Swedes have published, immigrants are 500% more likely than native Swedes to be charged with rape, even though they're a very small percentage of the population. Get this one quarter of all the crime in Sweden, one quarter was committed by foreign-born individuals this is and a... another one-fifth of all crime on top of that was committed by individuals born to foreign-born parents
0: and what about other countries like Finland Austria some of the others it, it's it, is it pretty much the same is that your understanding I mean I'll, you're give, the expert you
1: a, here. I'll give you a, a, a worse statistic. The new numbers coming out of Finland and Denmark say that one-third of all rapists in Denmark were immigrants, but they're a a tiny percentage of the population.
0: Why do they import so many people from the Middle East? Do they not have enough workers in these uh, countries in Europe and they... Need workers to man the, uh, the assembly lines? or what, what, What's the thinking behind this?
1: These are socialist countries that, that believe in some sort of collective responsibility for the rest of the, country, uh, the, the world, not just their own country. The xenophobia of um, what existed 50 years ago was gone. And so the door is open to anybody that wants to come. And it's not just there. I mean, I'll give you a statistic out of Great Britain, because you mentioned it. Between 1997 and 2013, in one town, 1,400 children were raped almost exclusively by Pakistani men. I mean, this is from the report that was published. I'll read you just a quick sentence. The victims were raped by multiple perpetrators, tracked to other towns and cities in the north of England, abducted, beaten, and intimidated. There were examples of children who have been doused in petrol and threatened with being set alight, threatened with guns, made to witness brutally violent rapes of others, and threatened they would be next if they told anyone. Girls as young as 11 were raped by large numbers of male perpetrators, unquote.
0: And it's my understanding that as horrible as that was, the, another horrible factor in that storyline is that the authorities, the politicians, and, those, and that one town especially, and I forget the name of it, were essentially turning a blind eye to that because they did not want to be perceived as being um, uh, anti-Muslim. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And let's go back to Cologne. I wrote an article on it that you might have read last week. The Cologne mayor, her name is Henrietta Recker, um, her response after the outcry, uh, following the New Year's Eve news that got out, you know, by about the 4th and 5th of January, was that she basically reprimanded the, the female victims, suggesting that they had asked for it. And she has vowed to make sure, get this, that women change their behavior so they don't provoke Muslims to sexually assault them again. And she's going to be in charge of publishing a guideline for women so they can read it and prepare themselves about how to behave out in public. That is stunning.
0: Well, maybe not so stunning, because the information that I have is that Henriette uh, Recker was elected because of her support of the people uh, who want open borders, who want the uh, refugees coming in. She is actually pandering to her political base. Is that true?
1: Yeah, that's probably true. And, and it's also one more thing. that, the, As you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, for people that have created this environment, remember the a politicians' um, first job upon being elected to office is to prepare for re-election. So... Any elected official wants to retain their hold on power. It, it would be um, unique to the point of, oh my gosh, if a mayor came out and said, uh, all of my immigration policies that I've supported have turned out to be a disaster. I shouldn't have let these people in. I apologize. It was a big mistake. Now, what are we going to do about it? Instead, she was the one that covered this up as much as she could. Now, instead of facing the music, so to speak, Dimitri, her response, as crazy as it may be, is to say that these women probably brought it on themselves. And here's here's really wild stuff for you. There were mass demonstrations over the weekend in Cologne, Germany. You had the Muslim supporters for the immigrants on one side, and you had German citizens who are demanding uh, safer streets and prosecution of the 1,000-plus perpetrators of the New Year's Eve uh, rape fest, the water cannons were turned on the Germans, not on the demonstrators supporting the rights of the immigrants. So there's still a massive we-didn't-do-anything-wrong attitude. I mean, it goes all the way to the top. You know, Chancellor Merkel got Person of the Year for her open-door policies of disregarding um, the European Union's uh, limits on immigration. She threw the door open and said there will not be a limit on the number of people that are coming. And here's, here's an interesting thought that I think your listeners ought to focus on. You know, we've seen these pictures on American television uh, of these families carrying children and how heartbreaking it is, you know, with moms and dads carrying their kids under their arms and um, escaping from the brutality of Syria and Libya and Iraq and so on. The immigrants, almost all of them going into Europe, are male, single, no women, no children. In most countries, it's over 70% young men in their 20s. Now, the reason why that's so alarming is ISIS and Al-Qaeda and al-Nusra and the other we-want-to-control-the-world Islamic groups have announced publicly that there's a large number of their followers being sent to Europe as refugees or under the cover of refugee status and there's absolutely no way to tell who's who because unlike what we're announcing in the United States is going to be background checks Europe has no background checks they get there they get in they get settled they get a place to live they get food and they get support Now, it doesn't take many bad guys out of those huge numbers to create more incidents like Paris. Don't forget, one of the Paris shooters had a forged Syrian passport. They've they've found hundreds and hundreds of forged passports in every single immigration center. I mean, uh, but, they're
0: obviously for I, I think, but some of the stuff that I read, yes, I, I, everything you're saying is true. By the way, I'm talking with uh, Barry Nussbaum of the Barry Nussbaum Report, and he does uh, commentary, and he advises uh, politicians and organizations, and he created the Israel Group to help fight the uh, boycotting of uh, Israel products, and he's been involved with the um, Anti-Defamation League, and uh, the guy knows his stuff. Let's just uh, put it uh, that way. So, uh, What I would read regarding a lot of these uh, attackers in Europe is that they were not refugees. Many of them, in fact, were first generation, second generation. I mean, they were born there. That's the thing. They were born there, like the San Bernardino shooting. The guy was actually born in, I think, Indiana, and he got his uh, bride from the Middle East somewhere. But many of them are actually now born here.
1: Yeah, they, but
0: keep in mind,
1: one of the key points we talked about a few minutes ago is is really germane. These are not people who are assimilating. They, they come into a host environment, and they retain the culture from which they have come.
0: Why don't they assimilate? That's the other thing I don't understand, because immigrants, when they come to America, they would always assimilate. These well, that, people don't we, seem to, and, and I don't know why. Pro-
1: we have an open society that almost requires it
0: so why europe
1: has europe has allowed zones to be created for example and this isn't reported in the american press but i think it came out a little bit after the paris shootings. there are there are areas around paris where the police do not go because they're afraid they'll, they will be attacked they'll be shot at they'll have bricks thrown at them their cars will be firebombed. They are afraid to go into these zones that are 100% populated by North African Muslim immigrants that do not work outside of their area. They live on the dole. They eat their own food. They go to their own mosques. They don't participate in French society. I mean, it, it, demographically, the largest religion in France in just over 20 years if present numbers continue will be islam
0: Back it is just insane it is just amazing now what about blowback you had mentioned before about cologne the german uh, who germans who were rightly infuriated about the sexual assaults the uh, rape riot there in cologne what it, where's the blowback here from all the europeans and moderate muslims who are going, like, God, this is insane. What is happening with the blowback? Is there blowback? Yeah, there is some. I mean, it's a political thing right
1: now. Um, Merkel's party uh, is now the conservative party. Their popularity as of a brand new poll is now down to 36%, its lowest level in four years. Um, she has an ally, political ally, in the uh, Bavarian Christian Social Union, And they said, the head of that party said over the weekend, that the massive migrant flow is threatening the ability of this government to act, meaning there's so many people coming in, the government can't manage it. Merkel has said that the European rules on immigration are obsolete, and she has allowed as many as 1.5 million people to come in, and the German people are waking up, and that's what is giving rise to a lot of very conservative anti-immigration political parties that have just blown up in the last twelve months.
0: And not just Germany—we're talking what France and maybe Sweden, Denmark, some of these others. Absolutely, too, right?
1: all these countries. And and ironically, the the people that built their political agenda on this open-door policy are sticking with it they're going to go down with the ship and what's going to happen is a question of not only political change but social change within these countries Um, in germany of the 70 percent that are there 70 percent are young men traveling alone no children, no wives, no grandmothers, nothing. When more terrorism shows up, there will be an internal war on their hands. You know, Pam Geller, who does a lot of work on this, has released a startling report, which I urge your your listeners to look up. There's a 58-page terror manual that's now out on the Internet and it's put out by ISIS, and it it explains... I'll just read you some stuff that's been translated into English. Your beard should be shaved off at least two weeks before you travel so the skin under your beard can be exposed to the sun. If you get a haircut, if you can get a haircut in a professional hairdresser, please do so. You are instructed to avoid traditional Muslim greetings. Do not use sentences that are religious to other brothers like Salam Alaikum. In other words, they want these prospective jihadists to blend in. Sleeper cells. They're told yeah. to wear gold rings, even though that's against Islam. Huh. They are told to do the things that Westerners do. They're told to use generic Perfume, like everyone does. If you are a man, or perfume, if you are a woman, wear it on your left hand, not on your right hand, because they'll spot you as being religious. They're told to wear a crucifix. These are these are. This is a manual training jihadists to blend in. You mentioned San Bernardino. No one spotted that guy. He 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 had a regular job but radicalized and then went out to murder as many people as possible. And when the police caught up with them, they were on their way to to shoot people on the freeway or something like that. No one's actually sure, but they were loaded with, what, hundreds and hundreds of rounds of ammunition and automatic weapons and bombs in the car. They weren't going out for for dinner and drinks. They were going out to murder more people. Right. And that kind of behavior is going to be happening more and more throughout Europe because they've let in millions. Without identification or any way to trace who they are, why they 're there, or what their purpose is doesn 't mean they 're all crazy, but how many people does it take to pull off something horrible, like
0: the world trade center which, which which time yeah which time yeah, yeah, now Barry uh, talking to Barry Newsbaum by the way, Barry Newsbaum report here on one Dimitri radio and blog dot com so what is the answer for Europe, and what's the answer for the United States? Well, I
1: I think the answer is simple. The one thing nobody talks about, and I mean nobody talks about, is Saudi Arabia, as an example, has a tent city that is permanent for the annual journey to Mecca by devout Muslims from around the world, they could take in somewhere between three hundred and five hundred thousand and 500,000 refugees almost instantly. They have the money and the means to do it and they have refused to take any. They have a tremendous oil wealth. So does Qatar. So does UAE. Jordan has a ton, doesn't have the money to support them. For some reason, The wealthy Arab countries don't want the Arab Muslim immigration coming to their countries. It would be much, much more expeditious and way cheaper for the Western countries, and I mean this, to send their money into the Middle East to establish refugee camps to house, clothe, and feed these people in their native lands where their culture is comfortable with them and they're comfortable with that culture. They're going to Europe because it's free, and it's a welfare state that they know they can maintain their own culture inside of someone else's. And as ISIS has said, I just read you a couple excerpts from this terror manual, there's a lot of bad guys in that group. If nope. there's two or three million immigrants, look, two million have come out of Syria alone. What if it's only 1%? Which estimates say it's probably five. But if it's 1%, that's a lot of bad guys. So I think what's going to happen, Dimitri, as this creates the cancer from within, I think the doors are going to slam shut.
0: Good, very look, well. That there's, might explain why Donald Trump is so popular That's now, exactly too.
1: the lead-in for my next sentence, which is Trump, whatever you may think of him, good, bad, crazy, or a genius, the reason why his message is resonating is the average American thinks this open-door policy of immigration is the crazy train. We've had terrorism here. And if we can't identify where these people are coming from, which is every national security expert. Outside of the White House, it said the same thing. We can't trace them. Look, you're doing a background check on someone from Syria? There's no government in Syria, there's no database in Syria. It would take years to vet one person. And the proposal is hundreds of thousands. The governors in every state said, Not in my state, because nobody wants a group of people where a certain percentage, even if it's tiny, are people that want to kill as many Americans as they possibly can on their way to paradise. Mm -hmm. So you've got a political candidate who has influenced the entire Republican Party. Now you don't have any Republican candidate saying, hey, I'm for open immigration. I think it's a great thing to bring immigrants here. So the Republican platform, no matter who the candidate is now, Dimitri, is going to be, close the door
0: i hear you barry i want to talk with you and i thank you so much for this and i know time is your time is uh precious but i also want to talk to you for a few minutes if i could about what i believe to be rising anti-semitism in europe and again europe is no stranger to anti-semitism i mean it has a long rich history of doing horrible things to Jews. There's no question about that. But it seems that it's on the rise again. And I get the sense that it's sort of like the feel that there might have been back around 1930, 1931, 32, where it's just starting to bubble up. Not quite there yet, but Boy, it's getting there. Like in France, I read that uh, uh, synagogues have to have armed guards and that uh, different uh, Jewish businesses have to have a really strict security just to survive and that many Jews, the remaining Jews in, in Europe, are are fleeing. How, how bad is anti-Semitism in Europe these days?
1: Uh, it's absolutely horrible. Um, it, there have been a number of comments. Um, as to the cause, I can tell you for certain that the wave of Muslim immigration brings that with them, because in all of those countries, A, there are no Jews, B, the, the state policy is Israel is the devil incarnate and Jerusalem must be conquered and made Muslim, and so on and so forth. So when this culture comes in, as I've told you, they bring their culture and they live that culture, and whatever interaction they have with others has that anti-Semitism because they've been raised with it. The most anti-Semitic television in the world is run by the Palestinian Authority paid for by the American government. If you go on any of the media watch sites like Memory, M-E-M-R-I, which is the Middle East Media Research Institute, where they translate from Arabic into English, most of your listeners would just absolutely be stunned that there are shows on the air coming out of Janine and Hebron and all over the West Bank that show Jewish children eating Arab babies, or at least they sort of. Play act at it. So when you grow up in that culture, you believe that that's the way things are. And well,
0: haven't we learned anything about anti-Semitism in Europe? I mean, my God, how do we stop it?
1: Well, education is a big part of it. You know, I, I for me, it's a very personal thing. Um, I was born in Chicago. Um, I could have been born in Auschwitz. Both my parents were there. And my grandparents and my cousins and my uncles and my aunts, and most of them didn't live. They, they're they still in Poland, in the ground. So my parents lived it, and I grew up with the education of how bad it can really be. So, yeah, it's very personal for me, and I hope for the people that listen to your show, Dmitri,
0: they get angry
1: enough to do something about it. You know, you mentioned... which is the Boycott, Divestment, Sanctions movement against Israel. It's widespread anti-Semitism funded by very radical um, Arab funding sources in the Middle East designed to destroy Israel.
0: Isn't it true that in Israel now that if they want to ship products, or there's some, how is this now, somewhere like European Union, there's a proposal or a law, I forget which, that if a product comes out of Israel into the European Union, it has to be identified, not with a gold star of David, but some sort of designation that, hey, Jews produce this. There's some, something like that. Is that right?
1: You're close. It's, it's, um, what Europe is doing, or at least trying to do, is to identify um, manufactured products coming out of the West Bank, which is uh, administered by Israel, uh, populated by Jews and Arabs, as if that's an apartheid regime, no different than South Africa of 30 or 40 years ago. That's the European uh, attempt to make right by the Palestinians. Um, it, it's it's not widespread. It's open to constant debate. Um, it's not having much of an effect on Israel because most of the governments and main trading partners in Europe love Israel and vice versa. But there's an undercurrent of growing anti-Semitism, and you're right. The synagogues all over Europe have armed guards. There are roving bands of North African immigrants in every single country in Europe that are virtually uncontrolled by the local police constables. They're overwhelmed. Don't forget. These countries have let in millions of people that don't work, don't assimilate, don't speak the native languages, and very seldom interact with the native populations. So it's putting a tremendous financial and cultural um, instability into these countries, and these people are bringing their culture. And as we've talked about for most of your show, rapes out of control sexual abuse is out of control, genital mutilations out of control, honor killings are not even reported in the West, and they go on every single day in Europe within these cultures against their own people. And inherent in that mindset is anti-Semitism. So it's, a, it's all of this is being imported.
0: This is so depressing, Barry. I'm talking a uh, Barry Nussbaum. Barry Nussbaum, report, uh, commentary, Middle East, he consults with uh, congressmen of both parties, has been involved with the Anti-Defamation League and the Israel group to fight this uh, insane uh, boycott. Uh, Barry, I know we don't have much time left, but have you ever met uh, Bibi Netanyahu? I have. What's he like?
1: He is um, astoundingly charismatic. I I was lucky to have spent uh, several hours with him in a very small group some years ago. Uh, he's startlingly intelligent. Um, he speaks English better than most people I know that are American.
0: <laughs> well, he was raised here, right? Doesn't yeah, he have... I mean,
1: he, he went to school at MIT. You know, yeah. I mean, so he's he's a very bright guy.
0: Has anyone spoken and... to him about his comb over, though? I've always been bothered by that.
1: Well, it's nothing like the the Trump comb over.
0: Well, still, it's, <laughs> it's 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 somebody should just tap on the shoulder and go. Everybody knows it's a comb over. It's okay. You're a commando. It's okay. You know. Anyway, but uh, did you by any chance see the front line? Of, I thought magnificent front line article. Article. Uh, uh, presentation. I don't. Two three weeks ago about Netanyahu's war, which essentially was a lot of background stuff about what was really going on between the Obama administration. And it's alienation of Israel and the way that Obama uh, mistreated Netanyahu and all that. Did you by any chance see that?
1: I haven't seen that, but I know a great deal about it. Uh, Obama has been the most disrespectful uh, American president of a foreign leader, uh, at least in my lifetime. And um, I've been around a while.
0: I mean Obama just hates Israelis. I mean I'm on I'm sorry. It's as simple as that. He just friggin hates them. I mean it's just it's just pathetic. You really should see this uh, frontline thing though. They had lots of great interviews, lot of insiders both in the administration, uh, Obama administration and Netanyahu administration. Fascinating. The frontline it frontline did a great job with that. Well, look, Barry, I could talk with you all evening, but then uh, Sutton Porter would be upset with me, and I'm sure you've got better things to do as well. So um, what I always do is I give my guest the last words. You can speak directly to my listener here at One Dimitri Radio. So uh, Barry Nussbaum, uh, the Nussbaum Report, I'm going to hand you my Shure SM7B dynamic microphone, and you're free to talk with my listener. Tell him whatever you want.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Uh, First of all, thank you, Dimitri, for having me on. It's a pleasure to chat with someone as well-informed as you are, and I'm sure you're bringing a lot of awareness to your listeners around the world. Uh, For people that are interested, in my opinion, there's a very easy way to find me on the web, which is findbarry.com, B-A-R-R-Y, and that will take everybody to our various web stuff that we produce and the things that I write on a daily basis. You can also uh, follow me at Twitter, at Barry Nussbaum, which is N-U-S-S-B-A-U-N. And I'd love to hear from your listeners uh, to see how they weigh in on this. I can tell you that my big concern today, Dimitri, is that whether your listeners are Democrats or Republicans or conservatives or no labels at this point, this election coming up is so, so important uh, primarily because the next president of the United States uh who will be taking office in just about a year is going to have to deal with Iran that is well on its way on a freeway to having nuclear weapons and ballistic missile capability to deliver those weapons around the world and not only send them up over and down but once they are enhancing and um, uranium and have the nuclear triggers, which according to certain intelligence reports that I've read, they already have them secreted away under these mountains in Iran, um, the $100 billion Obama's going to start sending to them in the next couple of weeks will give them the means to do something that no other government in history has had the means to do, which is export a revolution and back it up with nuclear weapons. The big difference, and I've had debates with people, and they'll say, well, we had had the Soviet Union for so many years as part of the Cold War, and there was them staring at us and us staring at them, and they could have destroyed the world and we could have destroyed the world, and there was mad, mutually assured destruction that kept both sides from pulling the trigger. And that's true and still exists and now it includes china pakistan and india the huge difference is none of those countries were led by people that want to die in the final battle of armageddon to get them into paradise i urge your readers to learn about the mullahs that run iran because they are the first government in world history run by people that do want to die in that final battle. And when they have the means and the finances to accomplish that, which the Obama administration gave them under the JCPOA, we are going to be in a big, big, bad way, and I say we, I mean Americans and other freedom-loving people around the world. So that's the last word I want to give your people to think about. That happens to be my area of expertise and something I write about a lot, and I've met with members of Congress, as you mentioned, both parties, to educate them on that. We could talk about the JCPOA for hours and hours and hours. There's so much the American people weren't told about what Kerry agreed to in Geneva, that if they knew, People of all parties would be marching on the White House tomorrow, and they wouldn't leave until they really got the president to listen to them about what has happened and how Americans feel about it. That's my last word.
0: Barry, thank you so much for joining us here on One Dimitri Radio. Barry Newsbaum report. And if people want to get in touch with you, what was that address again?
1: It's very simple. FindBarry.com. Fantastic.
0: Barry, thank you so much. Give my best to Sutton Porter. She's an outstanding producer, very nice person, too. And I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. You have a great day, sir.
1: You too, my friend. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please
1: subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.